This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Love Talk Radio. Tonight on Dr. Anonymous Show 170, my guest coming up will be the Executive Vice President of the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. His name is Ray Sapatelli, and Ray and I have known each other for a long time, so this will be a fun show here tonight. The NJAFP will be having their annual meeting coming up in about 10 days, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about how they utilize social media in their organization and all that and a lot more coming up on the Dr. Anonymous Show starting right now. Passionate about medicine and social media, this is the Dr. Anonymous Show, live on Blog Talk Radio on a Thursday night. I'm, of course, your favorite physician host. My name is Mike Savella, but my friends, like all of you out there in Internet land, I see you out there. You can always find me at DrAnonymous.com. That brings you the most current show schedule, and we have a great show schedule coming up here in the month of June Check that out there. Also some blog posts, also some TV interviews I've done with local TV news here. Pretty proud of that. You can also go to DrAnonymous.net. Shout out to all 237 people who like the show or who are fans of the show or however Facebook does that now. Also brings you some uh, behind-the-scenes video of me doing this show. I know, very exciting, isn't it? You can also go to DrAnonymous.org. That brings you to the iTunes page where you can subscribe to this show, leave a comment. I'd very much appreciate that. But if you're confused by all of that, and I get some messages saying, dude, I'm really confused by all this, just Google Dr. Anonymous, and that brings you the right information there. You can also listen to this show in real time on your iPhone, BlackBerry, Palm Pre, Droid, whatever your mobile device is, just direct your mobile browser to blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Anonymous. Today is Thursday, June 10, 2010. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and it is 68 degrees Fahrenheit here at Dr. Anonymous World Headquarters. Our guest coming up will be a good friend of mine. I know for about a decade now, so we have (laughs) 
a lot of stories that we may tell on this show tonight, so stay tuned for that. Uh, his name is Ray Sapatelli. He'll be joining us in a few minutes. He is the Executive Vice President of the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. You can get there by going to njafp.org. We also have a website for their annual meeting. Go to njfamilydoc.org, where they just posted today a movie trailer for their annual meeting after the A-Team. Very entertaining. Uh, They call their annual meeting their summer celebration, uh, annual meeting and scientific assembly. It is June 18 through 20 in Atlantic City. We'll talk about that. They also utilize social media a lot, including having a website, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff. We'll talk about how they utilize this communication with their physician members and with their organization, patients, general public, all that stuff. And as I've mentioned in recent shows, I felt a kind of calling to share the, fam- the story of family medicine and because I really believe that family docs are the solution to this healthcare system here in the United States. And I know our guests will probably have some thoughts on that as well. But first, I would like to thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring the show here again this evening on the front page. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I have been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the hospital and in my office here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. And if you're listening live, you can see my smiling face on the webcam here this evening. Just go to the top of the uh, chat room here, click on the webcam icon, you can see me doing the show right before your eyes. Very exciting. And I want to give a big shout-out to the people in the chat room here. We have Liz, we have Autobox, we have Ramona, we have MedStudent31. Thank you for joining us. And I know sometimes Blog Talk Radio here has problems with their chat room, so if you're waiting to get in the chat room, be very patient. You'll be getting to us as soon as possible. And before we go to the break, I have to share with you that Ray, my good friend, is a huge, huge Philadelphia Flyers fans, so all you Chicago Blackhawk fans, back off. <laughs> Keep the gloating to a minimum. They, of course, won the Stanley Cup last night. So I will uh, take my break. After the break, we will have our guests. You're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show, a member of the Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net. Also a member of the Better Health Network at GetBetterHealth.com and a member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com, and we'll be right back.
That's right, lowering your blood pressure one point at a time. This is the Dr. Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio. And on the line we have with us right now my good friend, Ray Sapatelli. Ray, welcome to the show there, my friend. Thank you, Michael. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Are you, are you recovered from last night? Are you okay? I just want to check up on you. You're all right. Can, can, can we not talk about that? All right, we'll not talk about that. All right, so we'll go on here. <laughs> hey, you know what? They took us on a ride that we didn't expect. It was a wonderful time, and uh, that's why we follow sports, right, to go on the ride. It was a great ride. That's right. That's right. Uh, you, of course, uh, work for the uh, New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, of course, I'd love to give my questions a very difficult hardball question, so here's your question here, Ray. So why should every American, why do they deserve a family physician? That's, you know, that's, that's one of those really tough questions to answer, Michael. And, 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 and the, the, the answer that I've, I've best come up with is um, because there's no physician on the planet other than a family physician that is so prepared to be your partner in the medical journey, whether you're um, a healthy person who wants to stay healthy or a person who is not blessed with good health who wants to, you know, navigate this thing we call a healthcare system. And, you know, you called it a system. I might not do that. But, um, but, but a, a person who's not blessed with good health who wants to, to navigate the system, if, if you don't have a family doc next to you, then you're probably being cheated. Um, and, and I don't say that because I work with and believe in family medicine, I say it because it's the truth. You know, um, family docs, more than any other docs, are, are trained to be their patient's partner in the journey through the system. And, and, and anybody who's been sick or had a family member who's sick or, or, or you know, like me, uh, blessed with relatively good health who just wants to stay that way, needs that partner in the system. I believe it. Very good. Um, so let me uh, let me take you back here a little bit, uh, maybe just to get the the people the people get to know you here a little bit. Um, so I, so growing up, um, what kind of experiences did you have uh, with physicians? Uh, uh, anything to kind of you know really influence you, or anything that you look back on that that assists you in communicating with your physician members or the public today from from those early days? Well, it's funny, Michael. You know, when I when I was a kid. Um, like like many of us um, who are of a certain age, um, you know, I, I had a family doc. I just didn't call him a family doc. I just called him Doc. Um, and and um, I've actually written about him a little bit, and um, I, I'd be happy to share that with you someday. But but um, Doctor Batafrano, Leonard Batafrano, he um, he practiced out of his out of his home in Southwest Philadelphia. His wife was his um, nurse. They shared office management responsibilities together. Uh, when you needed a, um, you know, what us lay folks um, who forgot to go to medical school call a checkup, you went to Dr. Batafrano's office and, you know, you went with mom and dad and all three of you got a checkup at the same time. It didn't matter if you were a kid or, a, or an adult or if you were healthy or you're sick, you know, you all, you all went at the same time. Um, when, when, when somebody in the family got sick, Dr. Batafrano packed up his bag and came to your house and, 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 and took care of your house. And, and, and it really was, um, he, he was a person that your, 
your family not only counted on, but, you know, I guess when, 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 I, when I think about this, Michael, it, it's funny because something that just, just came to my mind is I was, I was an eight- or nine-year-old kid, but I knew, I knew Dr. Batafrano's name, and I knew, his, I knew his wife's name, and I knew what they meant to our family, and, and there was a special relationship between us and, and Dr. Batafrano. And, you know, if you ask me what type of physician he was, I can't tell you. I'm, I'm betting that he was just a, what they used to call a general practitioner. Um, and, and, and he took care of us. And I mean that in, in capital letters, Michael, if you know what I mean. I, sure. I mean that he took care of us in, in a way. Um, you know, my, my father was... Um, was not a healthy guy. My father was was sick most of my childhood life and passed away far too early. But but um, you know, Doctor Batafrano took care of him too. It was it was it was a person that that at the risk of sounding really cliche, and and I recognize that in my position, I can sound like a person who is awfully Pollyanna and and um, and and sings the song that the that the you know that the company wants me to sing. That's not the case here. He was really just a person that had a relationship with our family. And going back to your first question, I think that's why I think that's why everybody really deserves everybody in this country deserves to have a relationship with a physician that looks like and feels like that. Somebody that you can trust, that you can ask a question and get a straight answer from. That when you're sick. Um, you know that person will tell you honestly what you're faced with and 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 how you'll deal with it together when you're healthy he'll help you stay healthy she'll help you stay healthy um it's it's it was a very special relationship growing up and i, I never forgot dr batafrano and, and and in the off chance <laughs> in the off chance that Dr. Batafrano's wife or one of his one of his kids actually listened to the to the Dr. A show, you know there was nothing like those purple lollipops. Let me just tell you that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what won your heart there—the purple lollipops, huh? Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm, I'm I I I will I'll, I'll take that with me to the very last day. They were they were wonderful people, and and they treated us like we were part of their family and. You know, and that's kind of what family docs do now, isn't it? I mean, that's what you do, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there um, so? What was there anybody uh, uh, um, in your family in the medical field at all uh, growing up, or did you have any kind of exposure other than you know Dr. Batafrano's no, office you, to medicine? You know, it's 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 funny, Michael. I I, I came to this position in a roundabout way. Um, I came here through association management. My my career has taken me through um, through the management of professional societies, other nonprofit organizations. Um, in, in fact, it, I'll tell you a funny story. It'll sound like kind of an inside joke, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. And I think you've heard this story before. But for those who actually um, can make the distinction between family physicians and other physicians, I'll tell you the story of my first my first interview with this group back in 1999. Uh, when when uh, Dr. Corson, who I will mention by name, uh, asked me if I had a family physician, and I said, oh, yeah, sure, I do. And he said, would you tell me the name of his or her practice? And I said, Delaware Valley Internal Medicine. 
He said, there's remedial work to be done, but we're going to hire you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So, so what kind of drew you towards this organization in the first place? I mean, you're—I mean, you said you, you work mainly, you know, in organizational work, not necessarily in the medical field. Um, well, what kind? You know, it's it's interesting because I think what what drew me to it originally is not what kept me here, and and will keep me here. You know, what's kept me here for twelve or thirteen years, and what will keep me here for a lot longer, I hope. Uh, what drew me to it was. Uh, I want to. I want to kind of be careful here, Michael. But a, a group of people who who saw the world the way I saw it, and 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 kind of had a personality that that felt like mine. And and frankly, Mike, that's that's a real generalist personality. It's 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 somebody who wants to know a lot about a lot of things. You know, somebody who wants to somebody who wants to to dig into a lot of things and 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 have have a basis in have a basis in knowledge that's broad as opposed to a very specific basis in knowledge. That was the original thing that drew me to Family Docs. As I've been here longer, I think I've come to appreciate, um, you know, the spirit uh, in Family sure. Docs. Fam- family Docs have a really hard time. Well, and I'll be honest, primary care physicians in general. But, but Family Docs have a really tough time. Uh, you, you mentioned in your opening um, when you were talking about the folks who were listening in live tonight, I think one of the one of the people you mentioned sounded like a medical student. I can't yeah. imagine being a medical student right now and wanting to do family medicine with all of the with all of the stuff that you have to deal with every single day. You know, you, you're either not smart enough to do family medicine, or you're too smart to do family medicine, or you'll never make a living to do family medicine, or you know, all those things. And really. What you're probably saying as a medical student is, but all I really want to do is take care of people and help people and 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 be a part of their lives and 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 I think what's drawn me to family medicine is this sort of, well, you know, I'll, I'll take it way back, Mike. I'll take it back to your sports analogy. How's that? I just, <laughs> the, I, just I just watched the most resilient hockey team in the world you know, fight through a couple of rounds of the playoffs that they shouldn't have been there. Uh, that's a family doc. Family docs are resilient. Their their spirit is incredible, and that's 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 really what keeps me. It's this spirit that says, I don't care what the world throws at me. I'm going to take care of my patients, and I'm going to take care of them well, and I'm going to do everything I can possibly do within my power to be the kind of physician that my patients deserve. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, if, you're just, if you're just uh, joining us, our guest is uh, Ray Sabatelli from the uh, New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. So I uh, want to give a big shout out again to, uh, let's see, we have some new people in our uh, chat. We have uh, Dr. V, we have Faith Ignited, we have Liz, we have the referenced MD student, uh, Otto Box, Peggy Kay, and Ramona. Thank you all for joining us. And uh, uh, so really, let's kind of move on here a little bit. Um, so um, uh, as far as as I told you um, in uh, um, in kind of getting ready for the show here, that a, a lot of my audience, I would even say a majority of my audience, are not even in medicine. I'm very very lucky to have those people who are listening uh, and taking part in the show. Um, but for your organization or the organization that you work for, um, how would you describe what the NJAFP is to just somebody who's not even in medicine, to a member of the general public. What is it about? 
It, uh, you know, you, 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 I'll, I'll share with your audience that you kind of telegraphed that question. I've been thinking about it all day and, and a way that I would answer it, and here I stand still thinking about it. I'll, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, the, the Academy is, is first and foremost an organization that exists to help family doctors survive. Um, and, and if we help family doctors survive, we help their patients stay well. My kids ask me, you know, from, from the time they were young, Daddy, what do you do? And, you know, I, I kind of took liberties, and I said, you know, I help family doctors be, be even better family doctors. The, the Academy of Family Physicians is a, is a, is a not-for-profit organization that represents family doctors that uh, provide continuing education to family doctors, that um, goes before government to talk about issues that are important to family doctors. And what's really interesting about that is often the, the issues that we go to talk about that are of interest to family doctors are those issues that are of interest to their patients. Uh, what I find most interesting and, frankly, most challenging about my job, Michael, is that in a lot of organizations and patients, the, the, the folks on your show who are not um, medical folks or engaged in medicine, can probably understand uh, organizations that advocate on behalf of somebody. Maybe there's a teacher in their lives and they're a member of the Teachers Association or there's an insurance agent in their lives and they're a member of the Insurance Agent Association or, or whatever organization they're, you know, somebody that, that's in their lives might be a member of. We're just like that for family docs. But what's, what's interesting to me and what's often a challenge is that the issues that we deal with are often more, more geared towards the health and welfare of the patients that you and your colleagues take care of than specifically issues that are about your benefit. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's a real correlation between the two of them because, you know, because by, by, by nature there will be, but, but so often we, those people who work for you and, and, and you know, uh, and do this kind of work, find ourselves in an advocacy position that's saying, but folks, but government, but regulators, but insurance company, this is what our patients need. So I, I, the, the biggest challenge I found in, in the 12 years that I've been here, Mike, is that I came from a, a, a school that said, you know, you, you advocate on behalf of your members, and family physicians are my members. And more often than not, what comes out of my mouth is, but my members' patients need this. Right, I think, right. I think, that's, I think that's a story that, you know, someone more eloquent, more eloquent than me could probably tell better, but I think it, it says a lot about who family docs are. Right, right. Well, uh, well let, let me kind of turn it around. It is probably the, the very same answer, but... Uh, uh, there's a lot of physicians who are frustrated out there. There are a lot of physicians out there who believe that um, organizational medicine um, is not really doing much for them, and they're giving up memberships to these organizations, and, and they want to leave. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, you probably get a question a lot, you know, as far as why should I, as a physician member, continue to be a member of the NJAFP, um, what, what do you tell those docs? So if I'm if I'm talking directly to those docs, I mean, Michael, you, you said something in your question. You said organized medicine, and 
for those folks on the call that are, you know, physicians or in the medical community, organized medicine is a term that means something, and it usually means, you know, the AMA and its and its and its various parts. And I'm not sure that I can stand here and and be an advocate for why you ought to be a member for some organizations. I, I just I'm not sure that I can. But I'll tell you that the Academy of Family Physicians, for a family physician is the only organization on the face of the planet that has exclusively your interest as a family doc as, as our motivation for whatever we do. I mean, that's, you know, and, and, and it so happens, to go back to the question that, I, that you asked me before and the answer I gave you, so often your interests as we, you know, as we do what good association folks do, and that is ask our members what's important to you, so often we learn that what's important to our membership is what's important to their patients. It's how they provide better patient care to their patients. And I think what we get stuck in sometimes, Michael, is that, 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 I'll, I'll use, I'll, I'll use a, 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 a I'll use something that a member family physician said to me once about a year ago. He was a member of our leadership group. Uh, he was uh, a person who's on, he currently on our board, and I won't mention him by name, but, but you know, he said at one, of our, at one of our meetings, you know, if I'm not healthy as a physician, if my practice isn't healthy, I can't keep my patients healthy. Right. My practice needs to be healthy. I, as a physician, need to be healthy. And, and we both know, you and I, maybe your listeners don't, but you and I both know, that we're not necessarily talking about his blood pressure, you know, or his hemoglobin A1C. We're talking about, much like many other businesses, you know, if I can't keep the lights on and the doors open, I can't be, I can't be what I need to be for my patients. And so I think that for all of the things that frustrate some people, and in an organization like ours that is broad, I mean, we've, we've got 60,000 members across the country in the American Academy of Family Physicians, and that's just the physician membership. If you count the student members and the resident members, we get up to close to 90,000, 95,000 members. I'm sure somebody at the AFP will shoot me for having the wrong numbers. But, <laughs> but uh, at least I didn't take a picture. But um, <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll get into that maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet we will. I bet we will. But... But, you know, when, when you're as broad as we are, you can't, you, can't be, you can't be right in the sweet spot of every member. You know, you can't, you can't groove a pitch to every one of them that they can hit over the, over the wall. You know, every now and then you're, you're going to be a little bit askew of where, where they would like you to be. So maybe, maybe that's the Academy's position on health reform. Maybe that's the Academy's position on sponsorships that they may take or may not take. Maybe that's the academy's position on how they advocate for better payment for physicians. You know, you can you can guide me on on which one of those issues we talk about, but but the reality is that when you cut through all of those issues, regardless of whether or not we're right in the middle of where someone would want us to be, our motivation is generally speaking to make the world better for family docs. And if we make the world better for family docs, we make it better for their patients. And I think that's why we are worthy, and I, I choose that word pretty carefully, why we are worthy of our members' uh, continued support 
and why why members should when they think about where they're going to invest their time, their energy, their money, um, why that ought to be why that ought to be their academy. I mean, they're, they're, you know, there's 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 no other organization on the planet that can say all we care about is family docs, and and then sort of as a as a as a corollary to that, their patients. Um, there's a there's a period on the end of that statement. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I appreciate you bringing those out there, Ray, because that's something I wanted really wanted to share with my audience. Is you know, it's not just the the good stuff. I mean, it's also you know some of the bad stuff, some of the tough stuff, some of the tough decisions, some of the I guess kind of the little bit controversial uh, discussions or difficulties with being a member of some of these organizations. Um, and, and I wanted to, to bring that out to, uh, to the audience. And, and I know, you know people hear that from when I talk and from when you were talking here tonight. Um, so I, I appreciate that, that little discussion there. But uh, uh, why don't we do this? Well, why don't we, we'll take a little bit of a break, and we'll talk about the good stuff. We'll talk about the summer celebration and scientific assembly uh, for the NJAFP. And uh, so we'll take a little bit of a break here. Our guest is Ray Sapatelli. You're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Hang on, uh, and we'll be right back. That's right, curing that pesky rash, just with the sound of my voice. This is the Dr. Anonymous show here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, on the line here we have with us uh, Ray Sapatelli, my good friend uh, from the New Jersey Academy of Family Physicians. And uh, go right now, right now, kids, go to njfamilydoc.org. It's a good website there. They have a, a trailer for their upcoming uh, meeting in uh, Atlantic City, uh, June 18 through 20, and uh, sounds like I looked at the website there, Ray, and it looks like it's going to be a good time to share. Not only is it going to be a good time, but that trailer you mentioned, Michael, makes me laugh every single time. It's uh, it's proof yet again that you can still be you you can do serious stuff and do really good work and still have fun and get a good laugh out of it every now and then. So I would encourage folks to go look at it, even if they never think that they'll have a chance at coming to Atlantic City. Of course, if you want to come to Atlantic City, we'd love to have you here, and we'll, we'll, we'll gladly show you a good time in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, so, so who came up with the idea for the, for the trailer there, Ray? Oh, you know, I, I, I wish I could say that that was a – I wish I could say that that was my idea because, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that stealing other people's ideas is probably the best way to, to success. But, but – um, you know, I, there, it was it was a team effort. There's a a guy uh, that we've uh, that we've worked with for a number of years, whose name is Herb Holland. If you know Herb, he's a he's a wonderfully talented guy who uh, shoots a lot of our video, and he came up with with uh, with with some of the idea. And then uh, one afternoon in a brainstorming session, we got a little bit deeper into it. And next thing you knew, we had the A team 
which, uh, boy, oh, boy, I hope the people who own the copyright to the A-Team don't watch. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they don't uh, they don't listen to this show, so you're uh, so you're, you're fine there. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good, Mike. I appreciate it because you know because we don't like pictures. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at some of your agenda items here, and uh, so so the people that you have uh, speaking there are they are they necessarily members or are they people that you get from the outside? Or there's a lot of kind of like business type of things, and there's some advocacy type of things. It looks like a pretty good schedule. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Michael. You know, we, we, we've got a, a, a really nice mix. To answer your first question, some are members, some aren't. Um, you know, in, in some cases, the best person to teach a family doc is another family doc. In some cases, you know, it's, it's somebody who's really uh, focused and specialized in a particular area to come and, 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 and talk about a, a particular clinical area. But what's interesting this year is in addition to the clinical education that we're offering to family docs, uh, and, 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 and I know that this is a challenge to some because it's, it's a longer meeting, but there are two days of pre-conference workshops that are focused on um, not only the cutting-edge um, clinical topics, but also um, topics ranging from, you know, frankly, and, and this may surprise some, you know, this, this may be a complete tangent or, or, or maybe we'll go in a different direction, Mike, but some of your, some of your listeners may not realize that family physicians actually have to talk about how I survive in the business of family medicine. So, you know, we've got one day devoted to how I make ends meet, you know, how I, how I work in this system and, and pay the bills and, and, and pay my staff and keep the lights turned on. That's one day. And day number two, I think, is really... Um, for those of your listeners who are in family medicine, hopefully they're listening because they, like me and like a lot of us, are tired of always being down and always being negative and they want to talk about some positive things. Thursday, we're going to talk about positive stuff. We're going to get away from the negativity and we're going to talk about some emerging models of care, some emerging, some emerging models that have the opportunity to change this thing, this disjointed and dysfunctional and fractured thing that we call a system and turn it into an actual system, you know. Um, so we'll talk about some things that are going on in Texas. We'll talk about some things that are going on across the country um, in, in, in other areas that, that advance either the patient-centered medical home or that advance um, some, some other delivery models that that people have found to be both successful for themselves as family docs and really beneficial to the quality of care that they can provide to their patients. And we, we intend to do it in a way, Mike, that's, that's really open. You know, it's here's what some folks are doing. Let's talk about it. Let's think about whether – let's talk about what's been successful for them. You know, if it's successful because they just happen to be in the right place at the right time, that's great. Let's talk about it. If it's successful because it's something we can emulate in our areas, that's great too. Let's talk about it. And I think that's really energizing. So on top of all the great clinical education that we're going to offer, we're going to offer these two days that really start to drill down into the, well, you know, I was going to say that start to drill down to, into the what's wrong and how do we fix it, but the reality is we're not going to talk so much about what's wrong. We know what's wrong with the system. Right, we're gonna right. Talk, you know, we're going to talk about, um, it, instead of the sort of, 
and, and, I, and I don't mean to, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a listener somewhere that's going to get angry at me, Michael, when I say, instead of whining about what's wrong with the system, but I'm going to say it. Instead of whining about what's wrong with the system, we're going to talk about things that we have in our control to maybe make a difference. And, and, and when the, at the end of the day, Mike, I don't care if you're a doctor or a hockey player, you know, or, or, or like my daughter, a softball player, all you really want to do is make a difference in that moment. And we're just trying to make a difference. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I, I'm starting to learn because, uh, um, you know, as, as people know, and as you know too, you know, I, I uh, you know, I'm one of the grassroots docs here, just trying to survive like everybody else. And uh, um, you know, I've, I've referenced, um, you know, the the meeting that I was at that you and I were at, uh, you know, last month in Kansas City, and um, just talking to docs there about what are different models of how to deliver healthcare to the people of this country. Um, and I've had Larry Bauer on this show before. Uh, from the Family Medicine Education Consortium. I'm going to be speaking out there this fall. And he, he, he shared with me, you know, some of the models that he has seen, uh, experienced, and I'm just starting to learn some of that stuff. And uh, um, it, it's very exciting uh, what some family docs are doing, kind of pioneering some of these models, um, experimenting with some of these models. I mean, a lot of them are working. It's just how do we... Um, let more people know about it. How can we, you know, expand kind of what the trial basis are of these, or or getting more people to know about it, or or getting um, you know legislators to know about some of this stuff, um, you know, getting payers um, involved as well. Um, and even though there's a lot of complaining out there, this is a very exciting time uh, to to see what the innovations are, and a lot of those are early docs, and it, it's very exciting to see some of those models out there these days. You know, I, I agree, Mike, and I think for as difficult as it is, and, and this is one of those difficult lines that we kind of try to straddle because we recognize that our members, many of our members still do struggle, but the reality is that we have we have not – in the time that I've known family medicine, which admittedly is a short window, it's since 1999, in the time that I've known family medicine, I haven't seen a time when the ground was more fertile for a primary care resurgence. And, 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 and regardless of your position on health reform or, or any of the, you know, any of the sort of controversial topics that we can talk about, who should deliver primary care, all of those things, the bottom line is that I think we all have started to agree there is a basic agreement in this country that the primary care needs to be at the center of it. Now, I happen to believe that primary care delivered by family physicians is the quintessential model of, family, uh, of, of primary care. But, you know, even if, we, even if we debate all of those things, I think we're at a really exciting time. And I would challenge folks who, who listen to your show and, folks who may listen to your show in the future to, to really think about the opportunity that's ahead of us. Um, you know, some of these models that, that we'll discuss, that Larry discussed with you on your show, and I thought that was a great show, by the way, but, but, but some of the models that, 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 that are out there are scalable. Some of the models really have the opportunity to be uh, change makers as far as the system goes. Frankly, some of them might be successful because they're in the right place at the right time, and maybe they're not scalable. The only way you know that 
is if you investigate, if you, you know, if, if you keep, it's like everything else in life, Mike. I mean, you know, if you're satisfied with the status quo, you'll probably get it. Right. You know, and, 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 I, and I don't think any of us, I know you're not, I've talked with you enough to know, and I know that those of us who really, um, who, who, who really toil, you know, in, in, in this right. field, um, none of us are satisfied with the status quo. None of us believe, you know, as great as family, and, and, and I'll be really candid with you, Mike, I think that the most pragmatic family docs recognize that family docs have to change too. You know, I mean, it's it's not just about the system having to change to accommodate family physicians. It's about family physicians needing to recognize that the world is a different world than maybe the world that Dr. Batafrano practiced in. He was great, and he the story I told earlier was was something that you know I hold dear, and and it's it's the it's the essence of family medicine. But you know, the essence is a great place to start. Dr. Batafrano couldn't practice today the way he practiced when I was a kid. You know, that, that world has to change too. And so there's a recognition, I think, on the part of the most pragmatic family docs that says, you know, I need to incorporate, you know, uh, whether, whether, it's, whether it's technology or whether we, we can talk a lot about all these things, but, but I need to change what I do as well. And, and I think there's a, there's a real renaissance that's about to happen because there's a recognition both on the part of patients, which I'll just sort of, you know, expand to be people, citizens, and family docs, so the people who need care and the people who get care and the people who deliver care, there's kind of a general recognition among all of them that we just don't like what we've got. And we're all going to work hard to figure out what that other thing, that new thing that will make it better is. And I think the academy and and you know, Mike, I'll probably get myself in trouble now, but you know I, I'm, I'm not a person who will stand up on the top of a building and scream how great the academy is when I don't think it's the truth. But in this case, I think that, you know, everybody, all these good people are really trying to, to pull on the same rope. They may be pulling in different directions sometimes, but they're trying to pull on the same rope that says we have a chance to really make things different and... <laughs> We, we really ought not miss it, don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know? I mean, there's, a, there's a, an interesting uh, discussion in the chat room uh, right now, and I think we may be having somebody call us uh, in a little bit here, uh, so that'll be, uh, that'll be good. Um, somebody somebody's going to call and yell at me, right? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, let's, uh, let's touch a little bit about uh, on uh, uh, social media here a little bit, because I did want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I looked at your last year's meeting, um, mm -hmm. and you had a lot of stuff. Um, you know, as far as Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of stuff uh, that you utilized uh, uh, last year, um, you know, that that was all good stuff. But was that was that something that uh, the organization really wanted to do? Is that something that just that you guys kind of fell upon? How did all all that come about? Uh, you know, I, I I think there are like everywhere, Mike. There's a group of people who who are early adopters. There there are the Doctor Anonymouses of the world. You know, and, and then there's those there's people like Ray who are just figuring out what Facebook is, you know. <laughs> and and somewhere in the middle there's truth. But but we, we kind of stumbled into it. You know, here here's what we know. We know that 
again, going back to a question you asked me earlier, what is the academy? What is it that, what, that we do? You know, we bring people together. Associations in their most basic form bring people of a common interest together. And so if those people that we're bringing together are family docs, well, what better way to bring them together than with some of the technology that now allows us to bring people together without having to put them on an airplane, without having to put them in a car, without having to make them leave their families. You know, um, I, I, I am a social media novice. Next, next to you, oh great and wise one, I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. Mm. But, but, you know, this, this social media thing is is clearly um, clearly not a fad, and clearly something that um, is not something that's only for people like my 19-year-old daughter. It's it's you know it's it's for people who who want to engage with other people, and and at the risk of doing what the nuns in grade school would have you know would have hit me with a ruler for, I'm going to define I'm going to define the word with the same word. It's it's the best way to socialize ideas. For far too long, ideas and conversations were the purview of the few who were able to be a part of them. And this yes. whole social media revolution now allows everyone to be a part of that discussion, to be a part of the whole that, that, that debates and makes decisions. And so about, a, you know, about two years ago, um, we decided that, you know, people, will st people still come to our – I think the fear in the world that I work in, Mike, is that if we make the media – if we make the meeting, you know, too social, that people will use social media instead of coming to the meeting. And to be really frank, Michael, the only way the meeting works is if people show up in person, right? Right. So – so there's always this sort of there's always this sort of dilemma. How much do we share? How much do we socialize? And how much do we make people come and get? And I guess at a certain point we kind of looked at each other and we said, you know what? Let's give it all to them. And what turned out to be the truth is that people got involved, people participated in the conversation. And Michael, uh, this this may baffle you even more than it baffled me because you actually studied this stuff but they participated remotely in some of the clinical educational opportunities. You right. know, we had people we had people participating in clinical sessions remotely asking questions of the presenter and and when I saw that happen I I think where the light bulb went off for me Mike is we had folks that were participating on a Friday afternoon who showed up on a Saturday because they thought, you know what, this is something I have to go see. This is something right. I have to go be a part of live. And it right. crystallized for me that it's not an either or. It's a both. Right. right. I mean, it's something that I've seen is that if, if using social media, if you bring the meeting to them, right, rather than this, you know, build it and they will come, you just turn it around and say, well, build it and have them come, and they feel like it. They want to say, hey, I want to experience this more in person because they may see on this little YouTube video or live video, I'm like, oh, that guy, I know that guy. 
or right. that girl, right. or you know, I, 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 I need to talk to them, or I'd like to, or I haven't seen them for years. Let's get in the car and go to Atlantic City, and that's probably well, what know, you experience as well. It's exactly what we we experience, and and you know, if you just take the word social from social media, you know, we we are we're, we're social beings, and so this this social media thing to me, you know, ultimately when I think about it, it's not a big surprise. We have this need to interact with each other. We have this sort of inbred need to be a part of a greater whole. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a family doc or an associate. You know, I, I have my own associations that I belong to for people who, who run associations and manage nonprofits. We have this incredible need to network and associate with other people and people who, who are like us, people who are not like us, people who think like we do. And frankly, if we're smart, people who think completely different than we do yeah. because that's what will make us smarter. Um, and I think the value of social media to me is that, you know, it really does open up that conversation to a much wider audience. I mean, the, we're, we're fooling ourselves if we think that we, you know, one day a long time ago had everybody in one room and talked, and now just over time they just have stopped coming. The truth is we never had everybody in the same room. But social right. media gives us the opportunity to have everybody in the same room, to hear everybody's voice. And you know what? That might cause some additional debate. That's great. Oh, yeah. And if, yeah. And if, people, don't, if people are afraid of that debate, well, uh, you know, shame on them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, and I see on your on your site there that you'll be there's going to be some live blogging during some of the uh, what you call the more important sessions. Maybe I'm presuming some of the business type sessions, and and that's going to be a very interesting discussion. Absolutely, we you know we we do this this thing that again for for those of your listeners who are not familiar with um, the, the 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 beautiful thing that is organized medicine, we do this thing in our state called the House of Delegates. Some some places call it their Congress of Delegates. Um, Congress may be a better word. House may be a better word. I don't know. But it's, it's that representative government that comes together to, you know, to, 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 to lead the organization in a given year. And that group is a wonderful group. And they come together and they do great work. And this year, people who couldn't be there will be able to get online and, and, and look at what we're talking about and, and listen to what we're talking about. If we're lucky and the technology works, they'll even be able to watch what we're talking about sometimes because we're going we're gonna to try to do some streaming video. It'll probably crash and burn, Michael, because I don't know what I'm doing. But, oh, um, man. I wish I could have been there because uh, it, it would have been really fun to be there. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be there online, so I'm, I'm virtually going to be there. Well, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's great. And, and there was a point where I really wanted Dr. Anonymous to come and tell the world how great social media could be for people who do or want to do what we do, which is bring people together. And now I'm thinking, well, Dr. Anonymous can't be there, but maybe he can show us how he can be there virtually. And I think that's, that's, that's a big win, too. And, you know, I, I'm just I'm, – Maybe I'm just too easily excited, <laughs> but, but I, I'm, 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 I'm really kind of energized by, by the opportunity that's in front of us. I'm energized by the opportunity that's ahead of us for family medicine. I'm energized by the opportunity that's ahead of us in the time that we live in. And, you know, 
at the risk of sounding really kind of cliche, it really is the only time we get, you know, here we are, so let's make the best of it. And I think, I, I think we're just, we're, we're blessed in more ways than we sometimes are willing to admit. Our guest is uh, uh, Ray Sapatelli from the uh, New Jersey Academy of uh, Family Physicians, and uh, we do have a caller on the line here, and uh, it's our it's our good friend Brent from the uh, Pacific uh, Northwest, I think, uh, and he was chatting in the chat room here about uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the health policy discussion or the healthcare discussion that we have. Uh, welcome to the show, there, Brent. Dr. Ray, once again, great show, great guest. Uh, Ray, um, you're saying all the right things, and uh, I wish that more uh, organizations, uh, you know, sounded and and functioned like yours. (laughs) Well, thank you, Brent. I I, I take cues well. Mike has been sending me virtual pokes through through the electronic cyberspace. That's not true, but but, um, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, now, through your organization, in, when you have these these meetings and such, are you finding? Now, you, you said that you 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 joined this in '99. This organization. I came to this organization in 1999. Yes. Okay, so you've been doing it for for quite a while. Um, as far as in the last 10 years, have you noticed um, a, a shift in uh, your members' attitudes as far as how they practice? Um, in other words, whether they're they're actively participating with their you know patient's health, or are they being passive? They're letting the patients just kind of come in. They diagnose. They they do what they need to do. They send them out and just wait for them to come in the door, as opposed to you know setting them up for uh, you know health success um, well, when they leave, and then encouraging them to come back for you know regular visits. You know. Brent, I, 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 I'll first confess that I spend most of my time um, not sitting next to a physician in his or her office while he's, he or she is seeing patients. So, mm. you know, to, to sort of pretend that I, that I have a, a real finger on the pulse of, of what every physician is doing is probably wrong. But I'll tell you what I, what I think I see from, from the attitudes of physicians, and I think there has always been – in the time that I've been here, and, and, and recognizing that my window, you said a very long time, but in the grand scheme of things, my window is very short. I have always seen a group of physicians who, um, who did and a group of physicians who maybe did not engage in their patient's health journey the way we would want to see them engage. Um, some of that, I believe, has been driven by, you know, the realities, the realities on the ground, right? I mean, uh, uh, in in a world, and I I got I also have to tell you, Brent, that somebody said you're from the uh, Michael said you're from the Pacific Northwest area, and and you're blessed. You're in you're in the you're in a place where where family medicine and primary care has been valued for a very long time in a way that in other parts of the country, you know, we're still fighting to 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 to, to get primary care valued. Um, in my state. A physician often is saddled with this burning desire to to really engage with their patient, and yet an economic system that says turn them through my office. And right. I think that that's that's a real difficult place for a physician to be. So I don't want to I don't want to be critical 
necessarily of the physician who does not engage with the patient's sort of health journey. But I'll tell you that over, over the last couple of years, I've seen a real shift in all physicians, not just younger physicians, not just older physicians, but really in all physicians that said, you know what, if I'm in this, if I, and, and to be very clear, some physicians have decided, and this is a real danger, some physicians have decided, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do it in good conscience. I can't make a living. I can't do it. And, and they've gone on to do something else, and that's really scary and tragic. But those physicians in my state who have decided to say, I'm here and I'm going to be here for my patients, really have engaged um, in, in the patient's journey. And I have seen a shift in the way physicians are, but it's not in what they believe and it's not in what they think. It's just in their determination to do what they know they need to do. And right. that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, and I would guess, I mean, I, and you're right. I, I, you know, we are blessed up here in the, the Pacific Northwest, and a lot of that is geographic. I happen to... Uh, live in a, you know, the, the biggest town next to me, you know, that's called a town, has a population of 5,000 people. I'll run into my doctor two or three times a year just going to a party. Uh, I think I've walked into 5,000 people in the time I've been on the phone with Michael. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that has a lot to do with it. Um, uh, attitudes change over time, especially when you are in, you know, uh, places that have larger populations. Um, I actually have uh, some uh, an, an aunt that writes or teaches uh, public health policy, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's in the, the the books that she that they publish for for the classes. Um, they, they they talk about that. Um, you know, you're 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 dealing with uh, geographical issues. You're dealing with um, uh, political issues, uh, you know, financial issues, issues all that sure. good stuff. And, and sure. some of the questions I was asking in the chat room was about uh, business, just general business knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. I happen to have a, a show that I'm kind of on hiatus right now, but on Blog Talk Radio, and I talked to a photographer, um, and I asked her, why did you get into photography? Oh, it's all about the art, and it's all about this, all about that. But then I finally got sat down by someone and said, look, if you're going to survive, this is a business. You need to learn the business end of it, and well, I'm just wondering at what point, you know, does a does a student get kind of get set up to fail if they're not being taught that during their tenure in school? Brent, you're singing my song. I have said from from the day I from from the day I got here when I was too novice to really say this because I didn't really know what I was talking about. I just thought it, and today <laughs> I think I really do know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't. But I think medical students are done a horrible disservice because they're told to go practice in a world where the practice of medicine is still a business. Maybe someday that will change. I don't know. That's out of my pay grade, right? But, but today, the business of medicine is, in fact, a business. And I don't care if you're employed. I don't care if you work for a hospital system. I don't care if you hang a shingle out and you're a private practice physician. The business of medicine is a business, and what's really funny, Brent, are, are you a family doc? I, I'm, I'm not in the. Uh, I'm a, a a lawn care specialist. <laughs> oh, oh, well, even you know what? Even better. Then let's talk lawn care specialist, association executive, and family doc, Michael. You know, Michael. Uh, I'm assuming I've heard your show enough that I, I I know that you've talked about the patient-centered medical home, 
and we talk yeah, about is, yeah. patients. Right? We talk about the patient-centered medical home, and we talk about the patient-centered medical home both in terms of the patient and their experience and the physician and the things that the physician needs to change. And one of the things that kind of makes me chuckle a little bit, and forgive me to those who are a part of the AAFP who may not, you know, who may not like what I'm about to say, but the ideas around the patient-centered medical home and the transformations that a physician needs to make in his or her practice to become a patient-centered medical home are concepts and ideas that people in business have understood for a very long time. They, you know, Toyota called them lean management. You know, other people call them Six Sigma. But the bottom line is get the inefficiency out of your system, do good business. <laughs> and if you right. do both of those things, you will not only survive in business, but you'll deliver better product to your customer. Now, right. there are a whole lot of other, there's a whole lot of other stuff in medicine that influences that discussion where some people could call me on the carpet and say, well, Ray, it's not that simple. And my answer would be, you're right, but let's start there. Right. If we can just get the inefficiencies out of the system, get physicians to recognize and, and, and be given a fighting chance, you know, from the time when their medical students on, be given a fighting chance to really understand the business of, 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 of this thing that they're doing. Um, you know, you get rid of those efficiencies. They, 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 the, the care, the care that's delivered to patients and the cost of that care would automatically improve. And the two things that we're worried about in this country are cost and quality. And unless we can get some other way to fix cost and quality, well, there's only two ways that a stupid guy like I understand. And the two ways are put more money into the system or, or, or deliver less services from the system. And I think, you know, we Americans, we, we, we don't want either of those things. We don't want less services and we don't want to spend more for it. So we better find a, you know, we better find a way that makes it more efficient. And, and we can have a long conversation about whether or not that's sustainable or not. But, but that's where... That's you know when you talk about business, you get me really, you you hit my my most passionate center. Because well, you, I you, you, you hit the nail really on the head. Tank. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I actually worked with uh, Toyota dealerships for uh, 25 years, and I love Toyota as a corporation. I'm not real happy with them on the on the dealership level, but that's a totally different story. Um, th there and is, the previous, and we're going to give them a pass for the previous year, right? We're just going to yeah, give them a exactly. Pass for the well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's Chrysler just came, came out with a great recall, but that hasn't been reported real big either. So right, right. Um, but there, there's a a uh, as far as lean production, there's two ways to pump money into the system. You either pump it from the top, or you cut it from the bottom. And lean cuts it from the bottom. It doesn't mean that you're making less money, it means that you're more efficient. More efficient means better care. It means it can mean higher profits. It can mean a lot of all the positive things that you're talking about. Um, and, and even if a med student or a doctor didn't go back to school, there is a book out, I'm going to plug a book, uh, by Jeffrey Liker. It's called The Toyota Way. He's a uh, professor back east. And uh, he went and he, he's been studying Toyota for 14 years, but it goes through the whole Toyota production system, and it's great for any business, 
including doctors. If well, a you're, doctor you're right. read this, they could see their practice in in this light and say, oh, well, if I even even as simple as when I walk into the room, my chart's here, my patient's here, I'll spend two seconds less if I set it up this way. Kind of like, you know, feng shui and, and Brent, for the doctor. I, believe, I, I agree with everything you said, but I'll throw a wrinkle at you. And, Michael, maybe you can debate this on another show because I know you're going to run out of time soon. But, but <laughs> my, 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 my challenge to you is to recognize that when Toyota talks about lean management, they're talking about a very homogenous system. And physicians and doctors to the general public seem like a homogenous system. But in reality, they're not. There's a big difference between Michael and the people that, that, that are like Michael, family docs, and the surgeon, the neurosurgeon, the orthopedic surgeon. And I certainly don't want to get into sort of a turf war conversation, but the reality is that there are all sorts of perverse incentives. The, the, medical, the medical field, healthcare, the healthcare system, is different from that Toyota analogy in one way and one big way. It's not really a free market economy because right. there, there are payers who can there are payers who control everything. Right. Um, you know, in in your world, when your costs go up, you can raise your prices to make ends meet. Michael right. can raise his prices, but nobody pays them. You right. Know? Yeah. You and, have and, you have legislative um, restrictions. Sure. You have insurance restrictions. You have Oh, absolutely, and and where the where the lean comes in, and you even said it yourself, yep. is you could set up, you could take a look at things within your practice that you have control over, exactly, and start exactly. working on those things, and then I, I, start to say what are the next things that an association that I am part of, how can they help me achieve these other things. Hey, you call me. You can have a job with me because I, I, you know, you're, 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 you're right on target. I might and, just take and, you up on that. Well, you know, I may be lying. You never know. Michael, tell you, I lie a lot. Um, <laughs> Michael, Michael, I'm just a caveman. The modern ways confuse me. That's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, so Brent, before I before I let you go here, I, I, I do want to I do want to plug your show. I know you haven't done a show in a while, but I, I do want people to check out some of your archive shows. Just go to blogtalkradio.com/autobox o t t o b o x and um, check out check out his shows from August 2009. And uh, there, you have like three or four shows. They're talking about healthcare access, healthcare insurance. Um, and I remember listening to those, and, and those, those, that's very good content there, and I encourage people to, to check that out, and uh, it's, uh, it's a good listen. So uh, I'm, out, I'm out there in the social media space. Connect with me. I'll, I'll, give you a couple, I'll, I'll send you a couple of uh, really good reads on, on, on where I come from on healthcare. One of them is by an author named Jeffrey Bauer who talks about the imperative of healthcare, which is get it right every time at the lowest possible cost. Um, Connect with me out. Connect with me out there in cyberspace, and I'll I'll send you a link to that book. Sounds good. Yeah, and and I I my both my wife uh, and two sister in laws work in the healthcare industry, so I get to hear about it all the time. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. Really, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> uh, so, right. Brett, thanks so much for calling in the show. It's, it's been great to great to see you. Hopefully, hopefully you'll do another show soon, there, Brent. I'm I'm filling my calendar in, and I'm hoping. I thought I was going to be back in June, but hopefully, uh, hopefully July is the date. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot for calling in, and uh, 
Go check out uh, Brent's show, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash autobox. Uh, thanks, Brent. Thanks, RJ. Thanks, Ray. All right. So, yeah, see, see, this is, see, Ray, this, this is social media right here. This is like interaction. This is like, you know, I, I can feel the energy in your voice, and, you, know, I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not uh, BSing you. I mean, you know, this is, this is good discussion. This is something that we need, we need uh, to have more, and, uh, um, and you know, he's not even in medicine. And this is, this is you know, discussion that we need to have stuff. with everybody. It's great stuff, Michael. It's, it's like what you and I always used to talk about. It's more fun than a human being should be allowed to have in one sitting. All right. Um, let's see here. What happened? Nothing, nothing, Michael. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's see. It's green. Yeah. Are you still there? Hello. Hello? Hey, Michael, I lost you for a second. I'm sorry. I, I, can you still hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. All right. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh wow! I I I think uh, well, I think Walk Talk Radio just cut me off. <laughs> People in the chat room saying that uh, saying that they're not hearing anything anymore. Oh well, that's that's well, kind of well, we can, well, we can actually talk about the real stuff now. So uh, since nobody can hear us. <laughs> well, I, I I hope not. Do you um. Uh, I'm not near a computer. I'd be happy to go online and, and chat with you, but I'm not near a computer at the moment, so I can't do that. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, what will happen is that uh, uh, Blog Talk Radio will still record us talking here, and, and people can hear it on the uh, on the podcast afterwards. So. Oh, but they're um, just not hearing it live now. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, they're just not hearing it live now. So, um, so I guess we can kind of close things up here. I mean, it's uh, uh, that was a good discussion there with Brent. So it's uh, it's good to. To have uh, you know people like that, uh, people who are engaged, who are uh, who are, um, for lack of a better term, consumers of the uh, healthcare system, and hearing uh, what they have to say. You know, too often that that we we hear too much in our own little silos about what people are talking about, and and it's good to hear somebody you know who uh, who's kind of like on the outside uh, with some thoughts. Well, I think that is great, Michael, and I I'd like to ask you a question. I mean, as a physician. Do you get to hear, you know, do your patients come in and have that kind of frank conversation with you? Because my suspicion is that all too often physicians also get sort of locked into the, um, into the groupthink kind of mentality, you know, where, where we, you know, the people that we talk to are all like us. And, and I'm wondering if maybe your patients come in and, you know, you have you have so little time to talk to them about the the issue that they're there for that you don't get to hear this kind of stuff, the the kind of things that Brent was talking about. And I, I wonder if you get to hear that in your encounters with your patients. Uh, I, I hear that a lot, um, mainly from the from the Medicare patients, from uh, uh, people over age 65. Um, a lot of them are scared. Um, a lot of sure. them are really following the um, healthcare debate. Um, mm-hmm. So I get a lot of uh, questions from them, uh, but from the younger people, not not so much. Um, I don't know if it's because you know they're they're just uh, you know they don't follow the news or they have other stuff going on. Um, but the main population that I, I hear from is is from the older patients. Well, you know, at least you're hearing from some of them because I think it really is valuable for for docs to hear that kind of. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions 
to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.